0: This morning's Old Testament reading comes from the book of 1 Samuel in the 29th chapter. It's the opening four verses. And I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Aphek and the Israelites encamped by a fountain which is in Jezreel. The lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and thousands, but David and his men passed in review at the rear with Akshish. Then the princes of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day, I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him, so the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. And do not let him go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these our men? Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning comes to us from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in the fifth chapter, beginning at verse 16, continuing through verse 21. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. We know him no longer this way. Uh, Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we no longer know him in that way. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us so we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us we entreat you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God for our sake He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Because, Paul here reckons, because we no longer regard Jesus as a carpenter's son from Galilee, but rather as the Messiah, the divine, beloved, begotten of God, King of kings and Lord of lords, well, we ought therefore to reorient the way we regard one another in light of this Christological revelation. For all who are of Christ or in Christ, as the Apostle puts it, our new creations our outward appearance may not have changed but as the saying goes appearances can be deceptive again we go back to the example of jesus his appearance it was by all accounts quite unremarkable yet he was most extraordinarily remarkable On the Mount of Transfiguration, he allowed for his concealed glory to briefly shine forth. But otherwise, no one would have suspected what lay just beneath the surface until the day of resurrection and the weeks that followed it, of course. Though it may be counterintuitive for us to grasp, this same sort of change in nature's is taking place right here in our midst, in our own neighborhoods, in our own workplaces, in our own schools, in our own families, in our own homes. For those who have received Christ have received not simply the knowledge of the Savior, but the very real presence of Him as well. That presence of the Spirit is transformational, though we may have to look beyond the superficial to get a glimpse of it. So then, if, as Paul argues, we share in unity with one another through our unity in Christ, what's that got to do with his argument concerning reconciliation, which he forcefully makes over the course of the next few verses? He begins by declaring that we are all reconciled to God through this Jesus, the one. Through and with we share unity. So what does it mean to be reconciled to God? In the beginning, that's how the story of Scripture begins. When the curtain is open on the biblical narrative, there is no need for reconciliation. God exists alone. But soon, His creative love finds expression through the creation of creation. And within a couple of chapters, we are told and retold of what He forms and orders. Upon their birth, all things were in a right relationship with their Maker, but soon enough, Mankind goes off the rails and exerts his independence. The British preacher and evangelist John Stott, who in 2005 was named by Time magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in the world, once observed that the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. The roots of that substitution can be seen right near the beginning of the first book of the Bible. The first man and woman rise up in rebellion, exerting their independence, their free will, putting themselves and their desires above obedience to God and his expressed will for them so began a rupture in the perfect relationship which had existed between the Creator and His good creation. And it is on account of this ongoing conflict that humanity needs reconciling. As apparent as this may be to those familiar with the story of Adam and Eve and the fall, it is, I would submit, even apparent to those who are not familiar with this or any other story from scripture, I think it's safe to say that even the most irreligious of people must be able to take just a, a quick look around themselves and at the state of the world and come to a pretty universal conclusion that something or some things are just not Quite right here. They're a bit, or perhaps more than a bit, off. They may propose to search for the correctives in different places, but at least I think they'd admit that there's room for improvement and some work still needs to be done. The Christian is aware of the narrative of sin. We don't necessarily like that narrative, as it is rather an uncomfortable one, but it is nonetheless known to us, and we believe that it goes a long way toward addressing the root cause of what's off about the world. Today marks the fourth Sunday of Lent, a season in which we are encouraged to take sin seriously, more so perhaps than we do at other times. But when I I say Take sin seriously, I, I mean to give ourselves over to the serious contemplation of the sins of ourselves and of our fellow humans. We are invited to do so, however, not simply to feel remorseful, but to acknowledge that indeed we have a problem and one that could not and that cannot be solved by ourselves enter the Savior. It is our sin that precipitates our need for one to do what we could never do on our own, and that is to be reconciled to God. Now, we're getting to the heart of Paul's theological argument here. In this section of his message to the Corinthian Christian community, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself. The means by which He goes about accomplishing this is through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, the only one who was perfectly holy, without stain, without blemish, without sin, the sacrificial Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, reflecting on this work of cosmic reconciliation between creator and all creation, John Stott remarked that the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. In these beautifully dense verses of 2 Corinthians, the apostle lays out his understanding of the relationship between God, Jesus, and humanity, and the so what of the Christian life as he unites belief to behavior. He tells the believers in Corinth that not only have we we received this gift of reconciliation from God through Jesus, but also the knowledge, the awareness, Of this gift through the Holy Spirit. Having received now all this, we are stewards of the gift. And the first thing that we are called to do in response to having been entrusted with the message of reconciliation is to share it. We are not to keep secret the good news, we are not to keep silent the Savior. His illustration is striking and memorable. We are to be ambassadors for Christ. We are to tell about his reconciling work for the world. And we are to demonstrate a ministry of reconciliation to the world. The workshop that drew me away last weekend was centered on this very contemporary work of the Christian community. I preached a short homily Friday night to open the conference based on the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus' admonition to his disciples about how they were gonna get it done. He told his skeptical friends, you, you give them something to eat. Yes, you, you have, what it is they need. You just need to go now and share it with them. We, church, we have that which the world needs, whether they know it or not, often whether we ourselves are aware of it or not, but we do as a chosen people. We have been blessed with this knowledge of reconciliation, not simply for ourselves, but so that we may feed the hungry world with it. As I observed earlier, the world operates in an unreconciled state, one of chaos, confusion, injustice, violence. This is not in accord with the revealed will of God. He is Reconciling all things to himself through Christ, and he desires that his creatures in the world would be working to reconcile themselves one to another. A portion of that work is the subject of a recently released book by the keynote speaker at last weekend's gathering called To Reconciliation is the name of J. Augustine's latest work in which the AME pastor and missional strategist with Duke Divinity's Center for Reconciliation examines the history of racial strife in this country and then lays out some suggestions for ways the church can be about facilitating and participating today in the process of reconciliation between the people of this divided nation. And while race may be one of the more easily identifiable constructs which demonstrates a need for ministries of reconciliation, it is by no means the only one. For even within racially homogenous communities, there are deep divisions and conflicts. Watch C-SPAN's coverage of Congress for a few minutes. You had any doubts about that? Or look to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which is every bit as much of a sibling rivalry as was the American Civil War. The need for ministries of reconciliation varies in scope from as great as these to as personal as that among flesh and blood. Some of the most painful wounds we will ever experience come from divisions among family. In all cases though, and I believe this is central to what Paul was advocating to the Corinthians, the success to any effort we make toward reconciliation in this world is dependent upon a requisite awareness and imitation of the reconciliation that's come to us from God through Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters in Christ, As those who have been reconciled through the cross, may we be ever thankful for that great gift. May we express our gratitude as his ambassadors by sharing the knowledge of this gift. And may we strive to work toward the reconciliation of all God's creatures, one with another, foreshadowing that great coming day when our unity in Christ will erase any human constructs of individual identity, the consummation of all things being made new, whole, and reconciled once and for all. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God, and amen.